Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi! Welcome, everybody, to the Wild Ginger Running YouTube channel, live broadcast, and subsequent podcast. This is the second episode in our new series for 2024, Last Place and Proud of It, which celebrates the runners who have come last on some of the UK's most famous and most brutal ultras. So this episode, we will be talking to the incredible Graham Bruder, who came 80th place and the last Brit on the 268-mile spine race last January. Welcome, Graham. How are you doing today? Very good, thank you, Claire. Thank you. Awesome. So we have got a ton of questions for you, Graham, ahead of this year's spine race that starts this Sunday. Um, but first, we have to mention our fantastic sponsor, NAC Sports Nutrition. So they make energy bars, waffles, energy and recovery powders, and real food purees in pouches. So last Sunday, I tried, I'm trying, my, I'm eating my way through the range, and I tried this lovely chocolate waffle, which was completely delicious and very easy to eat. It kind of dissolves on your tongue, so it doesn't need much chewing. So I also really like that NAC use sustainable and high quality ingredients as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to munching a fair few of these on the ARC 50 this January. Um, so go to NAC.com for more, and we are going to get a 15% discount code as well, which I will put in the film description below or the podcast show notes so enjoy that um, and keep checking back for that because I will get it soon so Graham thank you sorry about that and thank you for coming Hello. on um, thanks for sparing your time to talk to us today welcome to the show the spine is a big deal right winter 268 miles you don't just rock up and race that you need a mountain of experience first so let's start at the beginning what was your journey into ultra running where did it all start for you uh, so for me, started around about 2010. Uh, if I go back to 2010, I was knocking on about 19 stone, uh, smoked quite a lot, probably too much, drank too much, and uh, had my first child, Dylan, in 2010, and decided it was probably time to get a little bit, or I say a little bit fit, to get fit. Amazing. So, and uh, I think the first race I did was a 10K, which I couldn't even run. <laughs> Uh, I think it took me about an hour and 15 minutes to get around a 10k and I couldn't actually comprehend that people could run the whole six miles without stopping. Wow. And that's kind of changed a little bit if you look to where I am now. So yeah, it, Fantastically, it, 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 yeah. <laughs> it, it just spiralled a little bit from 5k to 10k to uh, going a little bit further and around I think 2011, 2012 I got into a few ultras like the shorter distance, maybe the 30 milers. I'd done a marathon by that point. Uh, got my marathon time down to about 3.40. Wow. And then, I don't think I could do that now. Uh, <laughs> and then did, I think the Warner was probably my first long distance, 
which was horrendous and I hated every minute of it. How far is that then, the Wanna? 76, I think it is. Oh, wow. 76 and miles. That, was that your first ultra? No, that was my, I, my first one longer than 30-odd miles. Okay. Uh, didn't really enjoy it, if I'm honest. Uh, I think I cried for the last mile. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I, did, I did the one, and through 2011, 2012, I did quite a bit. Uh, I... My first 100 attempt was UTSW, which was Ultra Trail Southwest, I think it is, okay. with Endurance Life. So okay. I attempted that in 2012. Wow, uh, this is like two years since starting running. Yeah. Had you like lost all the weight in a year then? Uh, I went from about 19 to about 14 in a couple of years wow that's incredible so, congratulations just yeah. like a weight loss is really difficult to do so yeah all credit to you for doing that i would say at that time i think i was probably doing a bit too much you know i was going out all the time and i focused quite a lot on trying to do speed work which I, personally i don't really think suits for these really long distance runs yeah, uh, you don't need much speed work to do an ultra, do you? Just maybe one session a week. I, I don't think we do. It helps if you're going to mix it up a little bit and be doing marathons and 10Ks and things like that at the same time. But if, you're, if your goal is to finish 100 or that type of distance, I don't think it makes any difference whatsoever. Uh-huh. Probably a bit controversial, but I don't think you need to run that much, to be honest. Yeah, a lot of hiking. Yeah, yeah. yeah For being of... middle of the pack, back of the pack. Yeah, I discovered that when I started doing and the it's, long... You know, it's learning to eat properly. You know, it's learning to eat properly and fuel your body. I think that's one of the most important things, fueling and looking after your feet and having a bit of a plan. Yes, having, having a, a plan. Having a bit of a plan so you don't get lost. Yes, okay. Yeah. So wow. I kind of got into the 100 journey in about 2012 and didn't finish UTSW, DNF'd at about 90 miles. Oh, no. Which yeah. <laughs> wasn't very nice. And then tried the Cotswold Century about six times and didn't finish that either. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've done 70, 60, 50. Uh, and if you go to last year, uh, 2020, I had a bit of a gap. I didn't really do anything for quite a long time. And then in 22, I finished the, my first 100, which was the Cotswold Century. Hey. Last place again. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, did the spine in January. Amazing. And what made you sign up to the spine? Because, I mean, 100 to almost 300 miles in the middle of winter, nonstop, going through the night. It's, there's a whole different set of skills there, really, isn't there? Uh, I don't know, if I'm honest. <laughs> uh, I, I think I was... I always wanted to finish 100. The 100 was my aim, and it was kind of like the monkey on my back for ages, That especially the Cotswold... Uh, century that I've been trying to finish that and just kept messing it up but every, every year I messed it up and more often than not through not planning it properly I'd say yeah. trying to go too quick you know yeah. trying to be too far inside the cutoff uh, one year I got lost before the first checkpoint oh, no. and I'd even done it five times before and still managed to get lost okay. uh, and when I'd finished that my I'd entered the spine earlier on in the year and if I my, my my thinking was, if I don't finish the Cotswold, I'm not going to do the spine. Because mm -hmm. uh, if I can't do 100, I'm not going to be able to do 268. And I finished it and then thought, well, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, N nice one. So you so finished that. You went for the spine. And so for anybody who has not heard of the spine race, um, can you describe the race for us? Like, where does it start? What's the route like? What's the terrain uh, like? <laughs> it's horrific if I'm honest <laughs> Absolutely. you're really selling it to us here Greg yeah. <laughs> uh, so it starts in Edale uh, which is in Derbyshire you have 168 hours which is 7 days to get from Edale all the way up to Kirk Yeltham which is on the Scottish border uh, all off road uh, full length of the Pennine Way and there is nothing in terms of support on that course. It's self-supported. Self you have checkpoints. They're roughly about every 40-ish miles. Uh, and in terms of place, it, when you say self-supported, I carried, I think I was 10, 11 kilos. I carried around the full race. Oh, right. Uh, the kit list is, is quite an extensive kit list. 
So you need to have cooking equipment, not that I used it, cooking equipment, bivy, sleeping bag, spare, everything. Yeah. Uh, spare, wet weather gear, spare, socks, spare, mid layers, spare everything. And uh, about 3,000 calories of food you need to have from checkpoint one, uh, three, five. So there's quite a lot of gear you've yeah. got to carry around with you. And I'll be honest, I massively underestimated it, massively underestimated it, because you've also got the weather as well. And in my, uh, I'm quite, I'm one of those that likes to plan it quite a lot. So I have a lovely little Excel spreadsheet going of uh, where I'm going to finish. And this is my checkpoints. And I, I, I stupidly looked at my 100 time, which was 31 hours. And you think, oh, three miles an hour. And I had a plan that was having me finishing the spine on Friday at midday. Uh-huh. No chance. So that's Absolutely what... Absolutely no chance. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so six days. Yeah, so I had, I had a plan that I thought I would finish in around about 140 hours. Yeah. I thought I'd have a day free. Uh, I actually had a weekend away booked with my other half on the Saturday night, and I was saying to her that I'd still be back for it. Uh huh. <laughs> the reality of it is, I cried for a week after the finish. I could, just couldn't stop crying. Oh, bless I you. Oh, were you really yeah. proud of yourself? Was it like happy crying or like yeah, was, yeah, was there some deep trauma that, that unearthed? I mean, we'll probably come on to a bit more detail, but I, I would say if it had been a day longer, it's, it's like borderline PTSD territory, that race. Really? So oh, that, my goodness. We managed, I managed. Uh, maybe eight hours sleep in the whole time. Oh, wow, across the week. In 165 hours, I managed about eight hours sleep. Oh, wow. I can't even work um, out what 165 hours is in days. It's just well, too we, far. So we started, we started Sunday morning at 8 a.m. I finished, what was, when was finished? The cutoff was the following Sunday morning at 8 a.m. And I think I finished around 5 a.m. So just three hours before the cutoff. Three hours inside the cutoff, and in that whole time, le definitely less than ten hours sleep. Eight yeah, it was yeah, pretty hard going. That is, I don't know how you kept motiv motivating yourself to get up and carry on, but we'll come to that in just a minute because I want to yeah. know a bit about your training before we cover the actual race. Yeah. Um, so it, it looks like pretty muddy and pretty rocky on that yeah. route and there's over 10,000 metres of climbing within that yeah. 268 miles. So yeah. it's just, it's really badass, that Pennine Way. Um, were there any sort of barriers to your training that you had to overcome? Like your job, is that really stressful and busy? Have you Like how many kids have you got running around? there yeah I, I don't really have much time I think we took uh, like I said at the start when I first started getting into this I did a lot of training you know I'd be out running all the time uh, probably too much uh, there's a balance I think in doing this especially when you're doing the long distance runs there's a lot of people that I met on the spine that I'd spent weekends away wrecking elements of the route and spending two days out running i just don't have the time for that at all so i'm a commercial director where i work it's quite a lot going on at work I've got three kids I've got a 13 year old i've got a five year old and got a three year old oh uh, three year old as well yeah. wow uh, my other half's at home with two of them and obviously one's at school so it for me to get home from work and then say i'm going out running for two hours not impressed <laughs> don't go down too well so I grab time where I can, if I'm honest, and I'll try and get out early some mornings. But more often than not, I'd say in that year going up to the spine, apart from doing the Cotswold Century, I don't think I was out for more than two hours. Yeah, at a time. At a time. Just, yeah. I just can't do it anymore. I just I haven't got the time to be able to do that. Yeah. Probably hence the reason I finished last in most of the rest of that day. Oh, I think it's incredible that you finished. Um, so, like, within that, what did your weekly training look like then? Like, what kind of mileage were you hitting or, or were you focusing on ascent? Uh, so, again, one of the issues that I've got where I am, I live in Chelmsford. Uh, not exactly the uh, most mountainous region in the UK. No. I don't really There's have a any hills. few little tiny rolling bits. <laughs> I don't really have any hills to, to, to go out on. So, for my training, it was more prep. Uh, I knew I had to carry the gear. Uh, I knew I had to have a feral weight on my back. So 
quite early on in this journey. And when I got all my gear, I'd go out with my gear. So I'd go out with my gear, get the backpack on and just get used to going out with uh, like fully laden as much as possible, getting out in the wet weather gear, getting out, getting, uh, uh, getting uh, through the, my feet wet, getting used to all that type of stuff. In terms of mileage, uh, probably three or four times a week. But even then, I, I'm not going out for hours. And there's a lot of people I know that spend a lot of time going out for long distances just don't have the time to do it. And I think, you know, with a lot of ultras now, there's loads of people don't have time to do it because it's feral commitment. Yeah, it really is. And I really hear you because I've got a three-year-old as well. And so you have a three-year-old and a five-year-old and a 30-year-old juggling all those different needs and people at various different life stages. And they, you know, they need more attention as they get to teenagehood, don't they, as well? Um, So, yeah, um, Hannah Basley um, is just watching live and she said, I'm in awe that Graham finished, especially hearing how limited he was with training, etc. So, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, so you didn't do any reccees, you had that 100 miler as a training race sort of thing. Did you do, um, you've mentioned that you do a lot of other prep as well, like not just the physical training. Um, so yeah, was there anything um, on the mandatory kit list that you had to treat yourself to? Like what were your plans around I, nutrition, sleep and all that kind of thing? Uh, I'd, I'd be honest, most of my plans I'd say went out the window. <laughs> Uh, what well, as you went to the race so you planned you thought you just, planned really well and then just went I, out the window. I, I thought I'd planned really well yeah. uh, in terms of sleep and timings and cutoffs I thought I'd planned really well in hindsight I hadn't uh, the, the bit that I had planned quite well was my gear so I had all the right gear uh, I did do a fair bit of work on the kit list and even that it's an ex- expensive exercise this yeah and there's a lot of people buying the lightest and cheaper uh, the lightest and most expensive gear i went the other way i went the the cheapest gear that passed (laughs) the kit list uh but but, you know it it worked for me it that worked for me and i got it all relatively early so that i could make sure that it uh i i was used to carrying it around and then i did because i knew i'd be out there for a long time i made sure i carried more in terms of food because yeah. for me, that's always been the bit that's got me. Because doing any of these long distance running, uh, my, my opinion is it's your stomach that goes first. You know, as soon as you start feeling sick, you really struggle. You know, yeah. you struggle to, to push through that bit. And generally, it does pass. But I made sure that I carry rubbish with me in terms of food, tailwind drinks, just to give so that I'm continually drinking. Uh, I always have one with just water and one with an energy drink as well. And then I have a lot of rubbish. So I take crisps in, in a bag and uh, on 100, I have all dry pizza and food that I know that my stomach can eat without, uh, I don't know, if you try and do gels all the time, you've got no chance. Yeah, got, so you went for the real food option. Yeah, you can do gels on a shorter distance run. Try doing them for 100 odd hours and your stomach could be an absolute mess. Yeah, it does. But, uh, I spent a lot of time working out where I'd get to in terms of checkpoints. Uh, in the end, it, that was rubbish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and what were your plans around the whole sleeping thing? Because you mentioned that you only slept for like eight, un- under 10 hours for that whole week. My, my, Did you plan to do that? No. My, my original plan, so we there are... I've got my list here. There is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's eight actual checkpoints. Main checkpoints where you get to your gear. There's one, two, three. There's five checkpoints where you get to your gear. Yeah, my so you've got a drop plan, bag there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you get a drop bag. Drop bag, and around about forty miles ish between those. And my original plan was, I can run a hundred miles, so I'll do a hundred miles, and then. I know I can go for 30 odd hours without any sleep, so I'll, I'll do that. I'll get to checkpoint two, uh, which was in Halls, which was 100 and something miles, have a sleep there, and then maybe get to checkpoint five and have another uh, four and have another sleep there and get to five and have another sleep there. That's what I thought I was going to do. Yeah. Uh, didn't think I was going to have a sleep at one, didn't think I was going to have a sleep at one and a half. Because I thought that I could easily do the first 30, 40 hours. 
I was so far out of those times mm-hmm. that I got to a point I, I met up with somebody else, Dave, and we kind of uh, plodded around it together. And we got to a point by about, I'm just looking at the distance, about 60, 70 miles where I could have, we could hardly see where we were going. The sleep deprivation was so bad. Yeah. Oh, wow. That event is the worst thing I've ever experienced. Yeah. Well, even worse than having a newborn. Oh, yeah. I mean, talking hallucinations that got to a point where I didn't, really didn't know what was real and wasn't real. It was that bad. Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's amazing that you pushed through. So bad (laughs) that I was seeing things that weren't there. I had a GPS that was talking to me that wasn't talking to me. Uh, it was horrific. Yeah, well, and so it was horrible hallucinations, was it? Not like nice ones, because I know Jasmine uh, Paris mentioned seeing like horses' heads in rocks and things like that, and thinking, "Oh, that's funny," but was this like a not a nice experience? I'd say it. It kind of it develops. Uh, the hallucinations develop as you go through it. So initially, because it was snowing, you see little faces in the snow, and you know, that's fine. And we're running along and. Uh, the trees had weird shapes and that was kind of fine uh, getting down into I think it was Bellingham I felt there was somebody running next to me that jumped in front of me oh. which I think was me falling asleep yeah. if I'm honest oh, okay. falling asleep because it, it gave you a little bit of a, a shock and it kind of woke you up again Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say they were horrible hallucinations but they were just uh, confusing because I didn't know that's we came into Burness and I've got my GPS in my hand and it doesn't talk and it, <laughs> it doesn't tell me to turn left and right. No. But in my mind, it was telling me to turn left and right. Uh-huh. It was saying next to, at the next junction, turn right. But, and it, didn't, it, it never did do that, but I thought it was. And I spent two hours going through the settings trying to turn it off. Yeah. Oh, I was just no. trying to work out how to change the settings and turn off. Uh, the voice that was on my GPS, which wasn't actually there. Yeah, so it, was, it didn't exist. Yeah. Sleep deprivation was probably one of the hardest bits of the whole, whole event. Yeah, it does sound really hard. Um, so just winding back just slightly to yeah. the start line um, after this uh, preparation that didn't... Um, re- you tried to prepare, but obviously you'd never done something like this. Before, I, d- I did so. the most I could do. Yeah. If I'm honest, I, I did the most I could do. And yeah. I was happy going into it that I knew I'd done 100, I knew that I, what was coming, and I'd prepped as much as I could, so I turned up there happy. Yeah, so on the start line, how are you feeling? You're feeling happy? And uh, I'd say pretty nervous at the start, just about what's coming. Um, got all the gear, you know, you know you've passed kit check, it's quite a, uh, an intensive registration. Normally you turn up for an event and you might get someone to have a quick look through your bag. Yeah, show this uh, thing, show that thing. Yeah, the spine is you turn up the day before. Yeah. Uh, and because I was a first timer, everything is checked. You like, yeah. I mean, so everything. Tip it all out into a tray, yeah. go for it all. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's good. That's good safety. You've got a full bag and virtually every item that I had to have was checked. Or not, not everything, but nearly everything to to an extent where they will check whether it's the right type of waterproof which is brilliant you know because they're doing it for a reason mm. they're doing it for a reason and more often than not you need everything you've got so yeah it's it the, the registration was quite uh, full-on uh, you get checked in and find something we had somewhere to stay the night before you wake up four hours before start because you're nervous about it and <laughs> yeah just want to get going and there's another race briefing there's a medical brief you know there's all these different briefings you got to go through and uh and and stupidly that they say go at the start and i guess the experienced people don't do this but you run you know you you run out and you're running up running up the hill and why why am i doing this i never know run up a hill but because it was the start of the spine i thought i'm gonna run look at me go so off i plod up the hill and uh i think within about an hour all my waterproof gear was soaking my hands were freezing and i was thinking oh my god i've got a long way to go oh no yeah well it's good to run out of the starting pen isn't it because it looks good on the photos and someone will be there with a video camera yeah um, yeah. Um, so you've talked a bit about the sleep deprivation, which does sound like really taxing. Um, were were there any 
were there any highs during the race? Because it, it does sound a little bit um, bleak at the mm -hmm. moment. Like, was uh, there any point where you were like, oh, yeah, this is this is why I came. I'm enjoying this. Or is it type two pleasure? Like you like it now that it's done and you never I, have to do it again. <laughs> I, I knew I was going to finish, I'd say, from the first five minutes of it. Really? There was nowhere mm -hmm. I was going to stop. There was absolutely nowhere, unless unless something happened to me, I wasn't going to stop. And yeah. for me, that was one of the best bits about it because we get to a checkpoint and there's people in all kinds of pain and, you know, my feet were an absolute mess by the end of it. What yours were? Mine were. Yeah. Uh -huh. Absolute, absolute mess. And there's a lot of pain that you go through, but it was quite, uh, it's quite motivating knowing I'm going to be all right because we get to the checkpoint and, you know, I think it was by the second day that I'd met up with somebody else and we, we kind of went round together. We knew we were going to get out of there. So we knew we'd get in, get our gear sorted. And that was quite, it's quite motivating in, in a way to know that, right, let's go and let's do the next bit. Right, let's do the next bit. Let's do the next bit. And yeah. you've got to break it down into these little sections. You know, and the scenery's, uh, maybe now I'd say it was amazing. I think at the time I didn't think it was amazing. Uh, certain sections of the Pennine Way, which were just awful. <laughs> what, like awful. really boggy or really stony? I, I mean, I, I think it's, I think they've looked for the worst possible route across the country. If there's, if there's the option of a steady incline or there's an option which says turn right, go down a ridiculously steep hill and climb up a hill that you shouldn't be able to climb up. Or we'll go that way. Oh, yeah. Pennine Way seems that the whole route seems to be like that, <laughs> which is the easy route. Okay, well, let's go that way. Yeah, let's not and do that it one. It just seems to be like that all the time. <laughs> you know, and there, was, there was paths you're going through, you can hardly walk on, and it, it, was, it was just terrific. Uh, but, but the scenery like... at times was amazing. Sunrise, brilliant. Yeah. Sunset, amazing. Took a picture of every sunrise. Uh, and it's, it's a great. It's a great experience, I think. Yeah. Looking back, yeah. Uh, yeah. I did say I did say never do it again. I've been back twice now. Oh, have you done it? You've done it I, again. I, I went back for the summer. Oh wow! So you've done the summer spine as well. I DNF'd at 182 miles with heat stroke. Oh yeah. So yeah. So you have to do that I, one again. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think I'd be allowed to. to <laughs> <laughs> I, I only entered this one on the day that the entries closed, which was three weeks ago. Yeah, for the Challenger. Challenger, yes. Yeah, Are you yeah. going to do the north or the south? North. The north. That's a longer one, isn't it? 160 miles, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that sounds like a good distance. Um, yeah. And we've got a question from Hannah, um, who says uh, she's... Um, yeah, she's she wants to know about the cutoffs. Yeah. Like, were you close to the cutoffs, um, and did that add much stress? And she also wants to know yeah. about your feet. So I'll ask you that after. Uh, cutoffs. Uh, for anyone's doing the spine, the biggest piece of oh, it's not even advice. The bit that you need to know: the cutoffs are the time you leave, not the time you get in. Yeah. I thought it was the time you get in. Right. No, it's the time you leave. Uh, mm -hmm. First cutoff was all right, with quite a lot of time. Uh, second cutoff didn't really feel under too much pressure. Uh, although in my plan, I would have had about 10 hours spare. I think I had about four hours, which felt like a long time. After that, it was, uh, it, it's all I thought about from about 100 miles to 268 was cut off. Yeah. Because so close to cut off. Uh, it's not a simple process either at each checkpoint because you need to eat. Uh, they do great food at all the checkpoints. Uh, so you've got to get in, you've got to eat, you've got to change the gear in your bag, you've got to sort the batteries out for your head torch, you've got to change your bag of nutrition, you've got to try and sort your feet out. You can't leave a checkpoint unless you've got 50% charge on your phone. Okay. So you make sure you get in and charge your phone. You've got to charge. I've got my watch as well. Charge my watch up. And it became quite stressful. Yeah, it's quite a logistical nightmare, isn't it? All of these electrical things to charge yeah. and food to get in and feet to sort. They are, uh, you know, rightly so. They're, 
won't let you out if you don't tick all the boxes. Uh, they're very, uh, what's the word? Uh, Militant? Yeah. Strict. I mean, it's... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To the second. You know, there's okay. almost a countdown. Yeah. You be out of the door of the checkpoint on the second it closes. And at Middleton, we were last, I was, me and Dave were last out at Middleton, which is checkpoint three. We were last out at uh, Alston. We were last out at Bellingham. We were, <laughs> we were last out at every single one. So you uh, knew that you were last all the way through. Um, we, were, we were in the checkpoints where they were getting to the point of five minutes to go, four minutes to go, three minutes, and I'm still trying to sort my bag out. And we hadn't slept. We didn't enough time to have have a sleep uh it was yeah, the, the cutoffs uh they're there for a reason obviously uh and but they are tough they are tough for me they were getting tougher to get to as well yeah because whilst the cutoff might have been 10 p.m we knew we needed to be there at eight to do all the things yeah otherwise you'd be like out but not being able to do much in the cold or the dark all, maybe well, there was people at Alston frantically trying to get the phones to 50 percent mm. you know you can't rush that it kind of is what it is you know and you can't imagine being timed out of a race because your phone's not at 50 percent you'd be gutted wouldn't you yeah, absolutely devastated yeah. but you need uh, to take a portable power bank and be doing it on the way and, and that's what and that's exactly what i do but mm. and i think that's what a lot of people do but it's silly things like that that yeah. i know now and as you get tired it's things like that that you start to forget about you know batteries i didn't take any batteries on the last leg and luckily i was with somebody else but my head torch was failing coming over the cheviots if i've had been on my own i'd probably really been struggling yeah yeah, but, yeah the, the cutoffs are quite I, I think if you're if you're a fast runner if you know you're going to be somewhere in mid mid range they're absolutely fine you know yeah. you look at them i looked at them before and thinking what 136 easy to do that but no. Yeah, cumulatively. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you, Were you just walking then? What percentage? Did you literally just run that first hour and then the rest was all no, walking? Ran, ran uh, quite a bit of the first stage to CP1, which was 40 odd miles. Sorry, tried to run. It was snowing. Uh, the the path, if, I don't know if anyone's ever gone over Kinder Scout, but there's a load of slabs. Uh, which when there's a layer of snow over the top, you can't tell where there's a slab and not a slab. Uh-huh. Uh, did I want to go over and do my ankle in the first 20 miles? No. Yeah. So you kind of run where you can, but there's, there's a, for, for me, I don't know how people, you know, Damien Hall's finishing days before us. I don't know how he's run a lot of that. Yeah. But I felt if I'd have tried to run more of it, I'd have ended up injuring myself. So didn't... Tried to run as much as I could on day one, on the first leg. Probably could have run a bit more, but felt I was fine on time. After that, just didn't bother, to be honest. Yeah, just like fast walking with poles. Yeah, we were trying to, you know, we were trying to keep moving. If I look at my my Strava time, my Strava time generally moving at three miles an hour. Weren't actually doing three miles an hour because there's a lot of it where you're stopping, you're getting gear out of your bag, you're messing around with clothing, you're changing gear all the time, and you end up doing two miles an hour. Mm-hmm. That's where we got to at the end. And I look at it now thinking, I can walk four miles an hour probably. Yeah. Why would it taking me two miles an hour to do certain sections? But 
that's that's what it gets like. Yeah, like so the average is taken down by the stopping and the it doing of massive, gear and stuff. It massively comes down. Yeah. Even and even when you look at the cumulative time, you don't or I didn't, you don't factor in the fact you need two hours at every checkpoint or three hours at every checkpoint and Yes. Yeah, the cutoffs are uh, I'd say if you're a half decent runner, they're a breeze. Uh the reality of the route and the climbing and the snow and the mud and the rain and the navigation and all the other messing around you've got to do, you know, it's still quite a challenge. Yeah, it, it sounds amazing. And we've had um, quite a few people watching live are really in awe of you. Um, uh, Nick Marlowe says, uh, thanks to Claire and Graham for this. Uh, Rain Man Smith says, as a 65-year-old back-of-the-pack runner, I'm full of respect for Graham completing the spine. To do it at his stage of life when family life demands your time is doubly awesome. Um, Stephen Law says, excellent effort. Um, and Rain Man again says, I think this is a brilliant series and very motivating for those of us who are not amongst the racing whippets. So you're doing yeah. everybody a good service here, Graham. Um, Everyone do it. So it's fantastic. I w want to talk to you a little bit more about the feet because you said they were very painful and Hannah also gets um, problems with her feet. So she's asked you here, um, how were the feet? It's foot pain from being on them so much that I struggle with in longer races. So yeah, what were your um, problems around the feet area? So uh, foot pain from being, don't really, I don't really get any issues with foot pain from being on them. My feet don't ache for being out on them for a long time. Blisters, uh, I don't, I, I usually get the odd one. Uh, I had blisters on blisters on blisters on wow. the spine in both the winter and the summer. Um, I try to do as much work on my feet beforehand as possible. So I use, uh, I can't remember what it's called, like a, a, a cream just to try and soften them up. Uh, I always take them up before I go out. I know where I get my blisters, uh, put tape all over them. I always use two layers of socks. So the ingy toe socks and on the spine, I used uh, waterproof socks as well, which if anyone wants to know, aren't waterproof. <laughs> Not after a while. No, they they might do a stroll it. through a field full of soggy grass. <laughs> yeah, they're waterproof for a very short amount of time. But, uh, the, the medical teams are pretty good. Oh, sorry, I'd say pretty good. They're brilliant. They're yeah. amazing. They're like a full-on hospital, aren't they? I've it, seen them it, in action. <laughs> they're amazing. Like full-on hospital. But, uh, yeah, I had a lot of blisters. A yeah. lot of blisters. And, and why do you think that was? Uh, I, I don't know, to be honest. I don't know. I mean, I usually, I, I always get one a certain time. I always get blister and I, and I can't sort it out and I, I get it all the time. Uh, so I always make sure I tape that up and try to do something about it. But on the spine, I think it probably is just the amount of time you're out there. Uh, yeah. Something's going to get in there and do some get grit's going to get in there and do something. They do get wet. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, yes, you could probably take 20 pairs of socks with you and change them all the time. You know, I try to talc them up, air them out at every single checkpoint as much as possible, but I think you just got to accept you're going to get them, to be honest, and you just kind of got to get on with it. I had them the same in the summer as well. They were a mess, absolute yeah. mess. But everyone always says it, foot care, you know, you've really got to change your socks, got to change them whenever you can do, but there's only so much you can do when you're out for that amount of time not fun yeah and so how do you deal with the pain of it because that's what i personally really struggle with as well is the pain of the blisters it's like stepping on a knife with each step and i'm like well i'm not enjoying this so i, I what am i doing um how uh, did you reconcile <laughs> that with yourself have you just got a really strong head well it's funny because by the time i got to alston which is about checkpoint four my feet hurt so much that when I left, uh, the first few steps out of there was like, I can't carry on. It hurt so much. And the guy I was running with, Dave, was exactly the same. It goes, weirdly. It, yeah. it kind of, as your feet, I don't know if it says your feet warm up or I don't know whether you just become immune to it. It seems to just disappear. Oh. The, the, you stop. You start, it's horrific, and it tends to ease off and go away. Yeah, you kind uh, of get used to it. Your mind's like, oh, they're not paying attention to this. I'll just dampen yeah, up that pain. I, and we kind of got it in our heads that it was going to pass, and let's just 
just just get on with it. And it did. Uh, I think there's so many other things going on as well at the time that I don't know. Maybe your body's just it blanks it off a little bit. But yeah, they were pretty horrific. My feet were not a very nice sight at the end uh, on either race hospital for both of them to try and sort them out. What proper uh, hospital? Actual yeah, hospital. Yeah, hospital oh for both, both the winter and the summer to try to get them sorted out but oh, wow. there's not much they can do about it just tape them all up really did they get infected then or was it just I a question thought, of getting them taped up properly i thought they'd been infected after the summer uh, but they weren't and i had a lovely doctor who just ripped all the blisters off and told me i was an idiot for doing what i was doing <laughs> i think his words were what do you expect yeah <laughs> but i don't know what i don't know what other people do with the feet but i'd I think one of the things is you've got to remember what you did at the start and keep doing it. So I talc them up and tape them up. And at checkpoint one, I don't think I re-taped. I thought, oh, it's fine. I'll carry on going. And maybe I should have done. But in the summer, I kept re-taping them. But I have to say, without the medical staff, who are so good, you know, they must see some horrific sights. They just get on with it and help you all the time. You know, I think when we got into... Uh, checkpoint five at Bellingham you literally sit there and people are doing everything for you pulling your boots off uh, getting your socks off trying to help you with your feet taking your phone off you to put it on charge and you just sit there like a zombie as people try to get you in and out that's so good of them to take your phone off and charge it and they are are so good yeah oh that is amazing and and it did sound like the camaraderie on the race was pretty good like you mentioned your friend dave quite a lot had you met him before or did you just sort of buddy up on the way around similar places we we met up uh at some point on day one he had a problem with his phone he couldn't use his phone so he borrowed my phone to phone his other half and then we kind of drifted off a little bit and then we met up again uh, after checkpoint 1.5 and then we got to two and we kind of both came into two at the same time and we just decided we'd stick together and just keep plodding on together. It does help. It yeah. really helps because, as you know, in, in any race, there's always the time where you don't feel great and you either stop or you know it's going to pass. And I think from a bit of experience in doing this, more often than not, it passes. Uh, and having somebody else there, we kind of got each other through those those laws. Yeah, uh, it sounds like you did use each other to good effect and you got on and had yeah. a joke and a laugh and stuff. Yeah. And, and how was the navigation? I'm intrigued because it is really bad conditions in January on the Pennine Way. You've got snow, um, the tracks are covered, you've got mud everywhere. How did that go? Uh, there were certain sections which, uh, you know, you look at the, the average time and why it takes you so long. You can't you can't follow a path, you know, like you just said there. There, there is no track to follow. It's snowing and the, the certain sections where you follow a river, brilliant, really simple to navigate, not much of an issue. Uh, there are other sections where you, you've got the GPS and you try to follow the GPS, which is great at the start. And it, I think it, the start of it's relatively easy. As you get towards the end with tiredness, sounds silly, but you forget how to use the GPS. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there were sections on the last couple of days where we, I think, we were more lucky. <laughs> uh, there was times where we must have climbed over a fence three or four times because we thought we were on the wrong side of it. Uh-huh. But it's it's quite a, it, it's kind of hard to navigate. But with the with the GPS, it's it, it takes a lot of pressure off. I could never do it without GPS. Never in a million years. Yeah, to actually think and bad. navigate and, you know, no, with the map and all that. no way. I mean, coming down off, uh, I don't know if it's Cheviot or Cheviot, but coming down there, it was uh, waist deep in snow. You know, so we were trying to go through waist deep snow. There is no way you can follow a path. And interestingly, when we did it in the summer, it's amazing that some of the sections, how clear the path is and yeah. simple is wow it's a lot of circles yeah it's a lot of circles especially near the end yeah oh and that must have taken away from your time as well and when you're just like trying to get to those cutoffs and your feet really hurt you really the last thing you want to be doing is going in circles uh the the very last hill which is called the shill uh we went round that i think two times maybe we went up it 
came down it and went up it again. Oh, no. And how's your morale when all of this is going on? Uh, at the end, it wasn't, it, it wasn't particularly great at the end because we were struggling quite a bit with, sorry, say a bit, a lot with sleep deprivation to the point where we could do about 15 minutes and then we had to have about a minute's sleep and then that gave us about 15 minutes worth of uh, energy yeah, and then yeah. we probably have to have another minute. Uh, it got that bad at the end. Wow. And that's, that's, did you yeah. just decide that as you went along? Was that in your plan? I it, suppose you can't know that, can you? It, it, just, like it, got, it got so bad that we, you were almost falling asleep as you were walking. Mm -hmm. uh, as I came up uh, the shill, I was seeing people that weren't there. So I was seeing people laid on the hill. And in my mind, I was walking through Hyde Park and there was people sunbathing. <laughs> wow. And I tried not to stand on people that were sunbathing. Then I realized, obviously, they weren't there because it, I wasn't in Hyde Park. And it was snowing. <laughs> and it was snowing. So then I'd walk, stand on people. But then I think, oh, maybe they are there. So maybe I shouldn't stand on oh, them. Oh, that's so sweet of you. You're not the kind of person that would go up Everest and walk over all those dead bodies <laughs> on the, in the death zone. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not going to stand on them. Yeah. Uh, and we... At the very end, where we'd got lost a couple of times at the end, Dave went to sleep and I fell asleep. Uh, I woke up. I didn't know who he was. Uh, he didn't know who I was. Oh, no. uh, I didn't know where I was. I thought I was finishing the Cotswold Way and I was in Bath. I was coming down into Bath and I was arguing with him, saying, we're only doing this race because you needed the points for finishing the race. <laughs> and, and then we kind of came out of all the snow and the world all cleared and the last couple of miles were amazing. Yeah, it's quite good. It was all downhill, isn't it? That last bit into Kirkgetton yeah. and to the pub. Apart, and... from, apart from it was icy. Oh, no. The, road, the, the, the last stretch of road was just a sheet of ice. So we oh, had to no. put our ice spikes back on again for the very last section, which didn't really like doing that. Just wanted to get to the end. Yeah, you just wanted to ski down at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then, so touching that wall at the end, the, like kissing that wall of the pub at the end, how yeah. did that feel, having gone through all of that? Uh, emotional. Uh, I, I managed to not cry until about the point where I came over the green at the end, and then I started to get really emotional. Uh, my other half had surprised, surprised me, and she was at the finish as well. Oh, lovely. Uh, and then, yeah, it was, uh, it was quite emotional uh, finishing it, really emotional finishing yeah. it. Such, you, a, such a long way. Did you and Dave touch the wall together, or did you decide yeah. one of you was going to come in first? No, I think, I think we did touch it together. I don't know how he beat me overall, because we came through the finishing thing at the end. But yeah, I think there's, a, there's a minute between you yeah, on exactly. the time thing. Maybe yeah. I need to bring a complaint. <laughs> Oh, I think you should. Um, and so there's a, also a minus 12 um, by some people's names. What, what's that? Uh, so we, I think, I think we, we, got a, we got a good will time because we helped somebody out. Oh, okay. So is it minus 12 minutes on your time because yeah, you helped yeah, someone? Yeah, there was a chap who was struggling coming off Hadrian's wall. And we'd caught up with him, so we stayed with him Aww. and called called into Race HQ, and well, yeah, we stayed with him for quite a while. So just to, and then we stayed with him to make sure he was all right because he was he didn't really know where where he was and what was going on, and he was having a, a few issues. So we stuck with him for yeah, I think we got twelve minutes goodwill time. I yeah. tried to argue that it had cost us hours, but yeah, it, they wouldn't have it. Sounds like you did spend a couple of hours with him, but you got back in the time, like with three hours yeah. to spare, so you're all right. You could have yeah. gone out and done that hill, that last hill another time if you wanted to. <laughs> and so you felt emotional crossing the finish line. Um, and what does it mean to you to be able to say to people, I have completed the spine race? Uh, I, I'm really proud of it because I know what that I haven't got the time that everyone else has got. And you know, I think a lot of people have got a lot of time to go out there and you know it's great brilliant I haven't or if I did have that time it would be at the detriment of my family life uh, or work you know and I do want to spend time with my kids and I don't want to go out and spend all weekend running they were proud of me for finishing so that makes me proud as well and you know I want my kids to think they can do anything as well yeah, you know, yeah. that's that's really important to me that 
they get a bit of motivation out of it. I don't think my youngest would want to do it, but my eldest is, you know, he's already started coming out running with me, which is brilliant. Uh, oh, you know, and that's good. I want them to want to do it. So I was really, really proud of finishing it because, you know, it's a, it's a fair old challenge. It's yeah. a fair old challenge doing that. Yeah. And what do you think about coming last? Like some people, you know, some people are worried about coming last in races, like probably a lot shorter than this one. But does does it feature anywhere in your psyche or like, um, um, yeah, how do you feel about it? You know what? It, it, it doesn't bother me at all. Uh, Good. I think there's a slightly different mentality around uh, ultra running, isn't there, than other events. It's about the time uh, for a lot of people. When you get to this type of distance, it's about finishing. You know, I couldn't care less whether I was 20th or 80th. It doesn't make any difference to me. Yeah. No difference whatsoever. And being able to say I finished it, not one person has said to me, where did you come? Yeah. No, Unless you won. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, nobody says that. You know, no, one, no one's interested in that. And it's, it's about getting to the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... Um, yeah, it's just about that, isn't it? And it, it's it's really not about where you come in the race. It's completing it and doing it and having that experience, like you said. Yeah. Um, and everybody agrees on, on the live. Adele has written in. She says, it's great to hear an honest experience from someone who has had to juggle training around life, work and family. Well done, Graham. Um, and today she says, it sounds like an amazing adventure. Well done for getting through to the end. Um, and Hannah's wondering whether she should now do the summer or the winter. <laughs> well, I, I, I thought the summer would be easier, but I'm not actually convinced it is, to be honest. Yeah, she said the heat, she did um, She did the summer challenger south, and she yeah. said that the heat got to her towards the end. So she's yeah. considering a future winter challenger north rather than doing the summer one. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I'd say the advantage of the winter is you put your gear on, on Sunday morning and you don't take it off until the finish. You know, so you put your thermal layer, your mid layer, your waterproofs on and you're running it. In the summer, I had wet weather gear on, dry weather gear on, put wet weather gear back in your bag, it rains again, you get it back out again and you're forever messing around with it. Then yeah. your gear's wet because you put all your gear in your bag. Yeah, it's a different challenge. Yeah, it does seem like a completely different it's challenge. Easier. It's not easier. Mm. Yeah, yeah, don't be fooled. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't be fooled. It's still a long way. Yeah. And Robert Cullen, who does a lot of these long-distance events, he says, well done, Graham, great achievement. Good luck in the Challenger North, starting at 6pm in the dark. You'll breeze it. <laughs> we start at 8am now. <laughs> oh, 8am now, is it starting? Yeah, they've changed it. Yeah, it's oh. start 8am Monday now. Oh, oh, well, that's better. Um, and so, is there anything that you wish you'd done differently? Like having, um, looking back and like put, taking things forward to your to your next ultras that you're doing. I suppose the only thing with this one is to to respect the distance a bit more, you know. And it isn't the same as running a hundred miles. Uh, I think I managed fuel and food quite well. Didn't manage sleep very well, and maybe a little bit better planning on the distance. And this even for the Challenger. When I first, I did a plan for the Challenger and worked out what time I think I'd finished. Uh, I then went and checked my first plan against the results from last year and, and apparently I was going to win. <laughs> so I then realized that my plan wasn't right. So I've just, I, I work backwards. You know, I just got to work it backwards. Where do I need to, and my other half uh, has given me that piece of advice. He said, well, look at what the last time is you can be in and work backwards yes that's what and i do i put the cutoffs on my races because yeah. i'm like right at the back I, as well. my planning usually i look at the last place person look at their splits and then think that's what i need to do yeah yeah you try and get like 10 minutes before that exactly yeah exactly yeah and can you think of one thing that you would advise people should do more of in training? Like, is there one thing that you look back and you go, oh, yeah, if I'd have had time for that, I would have done more of that in my training? Uh, running. <laughs> <laughs> well, actual running, even though you were walking for quite a lot of the race. Uh, hills. There's a lot of hills. Yeah. 10,000 you know, metres of hills. I, I, would, I would walk more with your gear. Because... Up hills. Up hills, there's a it, it's heavy, you know. That pack 
if you don't get out with it very often, you feel it on your shoulders, it'll dig into you. Uh, you've got to be used to carrying all the gear. You know, it's all right being able to say so you can complete 100 miles with a small backpack. Try doing it with 10, 12 kilos on your back. It, you know, you need to be sure of it and make sure all your kit's all right. Yeah. It's an expedition, isn't it, really? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it's exactly. It is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, we've got Rain Man Smith on the live chat says, so glad to hear that I'm not the only one who looks at the splits for the last paste. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. That's why I'm doing this series. Um, yeah. So and the good thing is now everyone's looking at mine, Claire. Yeah, yeah. You're famous now. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, yeah, so that's fantastic, Graham. Congratulations for completing it. What Thank is you. next for you in 2024? You did mention the Challenger. Um, yeah, just tell us a bit more about what you're doing next. next yeah, Monday. so uh, next week, next week, I'm back up to uh, in the Pennines doing the Challenger, 160 miles. I think we get five days to do it. Uh, after that, not entirely sure. Let's get this one out of the way. Uh, I probably got to finish the summer spine as I didn't finish it last year. Although I haven't actually got approval from home to go and do that one. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, first thing is to get through the challenger next week. Yeah, challenger next week. It's looking pretty cold. Yes, I know. It's just gone cold again, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, and um, so good luck with all of that. Um, we've just had a few more people giving some tips as well. Um, Kingsley says, nothing new on race day. That's a, always a good one. Sounds like you definitely did that. Yeah. Um, and Saragon McKenney says, thinking nice thoughts about someone can help push your pace. Did you do any of that? Thinking nice thoughts? I don't think I've got any nice thoughts, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Kingsley also says, um, and this is another reason why I'm doing this series, the last place person puts in so much more effort than the winner. It is kind of true, isn't it? I know that the winners yeah. do a lot of training, but in being able to do all that training, they actually don't go through some of the hardships that the last place person does on the race. So, yeah, I, I think I respect the last place runner or walker even more than the person yeah, who comes first, to be honest. We get our money's worth, don't we? So we maximise our time. Yeah, you definitely get your money's worth. Yeah. Okay, so um, before we wrap things up, we've got some quick-fire questions for you, Graham. Um, so, flapjack or gels? Uh, flapjack. Beer or wine after a race? Neither. Neither? Oh, what do you go for? Uh, water. Water. Ah, oh, abstinence is very good. Um, Kindle or real book? Uh, Kindle, definitely. Okay, music on your run or bird song? Music or what was the other option? Bird song, so no music. Uh, on a race, no music. Training, music. Mm -hmm. uh, camping or glamping? Camping. Um, a seaside run or a mountain run? Mountain. Mountain, excellent choice. And um, oh, are you? Uh, would you describe yourself as an ultra runner or an ultra hiker? Uh, I like to call myself an ultra runner, although I don't actually run that much. <laughs> I try to. An ultra tri runner. Yep. Awesome. Thank you, Graham. Um, well, before we go, I do need to remind everybody that the broadcast and podcast is sponsored by NAC, which is here, Sports Nutrition. They make long-lasting energy bars, waffles and drinks using high-quality sustainable ingredients. I will be using ARC, um, NAC, not ARC. I will be using NAC on my ARC of Attrition 50 this January. Um, go and look at NAC.com for more and use our 15% discount code, which I will put later on in the film description below and the podcast show notes. Um, so come back to find your discount code in there. Um, but thank you so much, Graham. It has been a great pleasure to chat to you today about thank Spine you. Race and best of luck in your 2024 Spiny endeavours. Thank you. Thank you very much. Awesome. Bye, everybody. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.